Welcome to Let's Talk Micro. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Micro. As always, I hope you had a great week. And remember that you can find Let's Talk Micro on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Pandora, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, Overcast, Good Pods. So whatever you listen to podcasts, you can find Let's Talk Micro. As far as social media, I am on Twitter as Let's Talk Micro 1, on Instagram as Let's Talk Micro, no apostrophe, and on LinkedIn as Luis Plaza. So go ahead and follow, subscribe to the podcast, leave a review. That's always good for the podcast. So if you listen to an episode and you like it, go ahead and rate the podcast and leave a review. And also you can hit me you know, via social media. Um, I have an email, letstalkmicro.outlook.com. So any suggestions, any feedback, any podcast topics, they are always welcome and appreciated. And if you haven't listened to the previous episode, go ahead and do so. It was a great episode with Dr. Paul Hergen-Rother from the University of Illinois. And he came to the podcast to talk about favimizing, which is an antibiotic candidate that has shown, you know, activity against some common gram-negative organisms that are seeing infection. So go ahead and check out the episode. Find out which organisms favimizing has shown activity against and find out what, what is favimycin. You know, how does it work? What is its mechanism of action? So find out all this information by listening to the episode. It was a great episode. Very informative. So go ahead and check it out. So on today's episode, we are actually adding a little bit of, uh, a little bit of culture to Let's Talk Micro. So, you know, we typically uh, talk about, you know, the, the clinical aspect of micro. You know, we talk about medical laboratory sciences. So today we are bringing in a little history. It's definitely related to what we do at work. But it's, you know, it's always good to learn about this stuff, you know, to get, um, get educated. Definitely, you know, I'm, I'm all for learning, all for education. So we are bringing a little bit of history. And in this episode, we have two guests. We have Philip Slavin from the University of Stirling in the UK and Maria Sperou from the University of Tübingen in Germany. She's from the Institute for Archaeological Sciences. So great guests, you know, they brought some great information to the podcast. And they came in to discuss an article titled The Source of the Black Death in 14th Century Central Eurasia. It is definitely a great article. And, you know, all of us basically in school, you know, going through school, we have heard about the plague, right? The, you know, the plague pandemic. So we have heard about it. We have, heard, you know, we have learned about it in history class. Definitely in the lab in microbiology, we learn about Yersinia pestis, and we learn about the plague. I mean, we don't get to work with this organism, thankfully. At least, you know, in our part of the world, uh, we don't see it. I mean, we do train to recognize it, but we, de you know, we definitely learn about it. So they came, they came to the podcast, and they talked about how, you know, there was some ancient DNA that was obtained from seven individuals from two cemeteries, and then with this information, there were two. Yersinia pestis genomes reconstructed 
and they were identified as a common ancestor before there was a divergence. So in essence, this data supports you know, a source, an early source of the, of the second plague pandemic in Central Eurasia. So they definitely, they, they did a great job of explaining it. So let's go ahead and listen to the episode. So on today's episode, we are talking about uh, the plague. You know, even you have heard about it in, in school, university, um, as laboratorians, as clinical microbiologists, we are trained to recognize it every year to make sure we are able to detect it in the lab. So today here, I have two guests to discuss an article titled The Source of the Black Death in 14th Century Central Eurasia. This was published on June 15th of this year on the Nature Journal. So with me, I have Drs. Philip Slavin and Maria Spiro. Doctors, welcome to Let's Talk Micro. Thank you very much, Louis. It's great to be here. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. My pleasure. So let's go ahead and start with an introduction. So I'm Phil Slavin. I'm, I'm an associate professor of environmental and medieval history at the University of Stirling. I've been interested in the history of uh, plague and black death in particular ever since I was, I remember myself as an undergraduate student many, many years ago, uh, but not too many years ago. And uh, I remember one of my first uh, experiences as a student in you know, those huge uh, intro classes. I remember my professor telling us that there are so many different theories about the origins of the Black Death. And uh, one of his conclusions was that there's absolutely no way we'll ever be able to solve this enigma of the origins of the Black Death. So I really hated this statement. And uh, I guess I've been living ever since to disprove that. And my name is Maria Spiru. I'm a postdoctoral scientist at the University of Tübingen. Um, and yeah, also for me, when I started my I started my PhD in 2014 in archaeological sciences, but my background and my training is more in biomedical sciences and medical microbiology. And so I've always wanted to be able to, or was hoping to be able to pair. Uh, this interest of mine in medical sciences and microbiology with also my interest in history. And this was a fantastic opportunity. And so since 2014, I've been part of this uh, big expanding field of ancient DNA and specifically the one of ancient pathogen genomics. Um, and it's been great to, to see all the developments um, that have been coming out over the last uh, few years on the history of plague which I have um, focused main, my, the, 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 the majority of my career at so far. So let's go ahead and do a, a historical overview. Um, let's talk about, so as far as the first plague, you know, what was the location and the population affected? Right. So uh, the first pandemic, the origins and the, the, uh, the progression of the spreads uh, is still, is still a huge mystery to all of us. We don't really know where it started. Uh, what we know is that uh, it came to, it arrived in Egypt in one of the local ports in uh, the year 541. We don't really know where it came from. There are lots of different theories. Uh, one theory holds it started in Central Asia. The other theory uh, holds it started somewhere in uh, South Sub-Saharan Africa, maybe in Ethiopia. We don't really know where it started. Uh, unfortunately, the surviving sources are not very good in telling us actually about the extent of the, uh, the, the crisis that uh, it created. There is a recent uh, uh, hypothesis uh, suggesting that uh, actually, contrary to the second plague pandemic, it wasn't actually 
as uh, devastating uh, when it arrived. Uh, and I'm sure that uh, in due course, uh, ancient, new ancient DNA work will uh, uh, be able to answer some of those pressing questions, but uh, we're in much better position actually to uh, talk about the second pandemic because we have really fantastic sources, uh, both historical sources and the ancient DNA. <clears throat> but I wonder if Maria has something to add to that. One very interesting aspect about the first plague pandemic is that um, ancient DNA has really been able to sort of meaningfully contribute to our understanding of the pandemic because we've been able to um, generate data sets, and I'm talking about uh, data sets of the Yersinia pestis, uh, Yersinia pestis DNA from regions where we don't have historical evidence or historical records that describe the pandemic. And so in, this is a really great case for seeing how history can really pair up with, with genetics to really give a perhaps more complete picture of what was going on at that time. Okay. So then let's go ahead and let's talk about this, the second plague pandemic as far as the location and population affected. Right. So the historical origins of the, uh, the second plague, plague pandemic beginning with the Black Death has been one of the biggest uh, mysteries in, in history. And that's something that has been puzzled historians and archaeologists for several centuries now. In fact, the contemporaries of the Black Death, uh, people who actually witnessed that in the, uh, the early 14th century, had no clue where it came from. And uh, this is something which kind of, you know, create, created those foundations for this uh, curiosity and the inquiry about the origins. So we can, uh, broadly speaking, uh, divide the uh, main hypothesis, the most, uh, um, the most major hypothesis into uh, four uh, different groups. So the, there was a school of thought that uh, blamed China as the uh, country of origin. There was another uh, school of thought that uh, thought it was started somewhere in Central Asia. Then you have uh, people, uh, both historians and the scientists, uh, who thought uh, that it started somewhere in the um, somewhere between the uh, between the Black Sea and the Caspian Sea, so between Crimea and Caucasus. And then you had people who thought it may have started somewhere else, maybe in India, maybe in Mongolia, uh, maybe in, you know even in Siberia. There was a study that suggested that, and. Um, one thing in common to those uh, hypotheses was that uh, they didn't really solve this uh, long-standing controversy. They only complicated uh, this controversy. I mean, one problem was that uh, the first textual evidence, and I really stress the textual evidence about the outbreak of the, uh, the Black Death that was known to historian, uh, comes from 1346 in Crimea. We know about this uh, really you know, famous episode when you have the Genoese, uh, you know, trying to uh, hold on to their um, the, uh, to the fortress in Crimea, a place called Kafam. And uh, on the other hand, you have the, uh, the Mongol and the Tatar armies catapulting allegedly those dead bodies into the, uh, the Genoese camp. And uh, that's allegedly how this uh, whole thing started. And uh, the Genoese took it to, you know, to sheep, the ships after that and uh, spread it to uh, Europe. But uh, it didn't really solve the puzzle where it started. Now, beyond the, beyond the Black Death, the second pandemic is a much wider period, uh, has spans a much wider period in history, um, which is not only the 14th century, mid 14th century Black Death event, but it actually spans almost five centuries. So from the 14th until the 19th century. And an additional point is um, that, uh, 
one of the main aspects of the breadth of the pandemic was always which regions were affected. And of course, our Eurocentric view of this pandemic has oftentimes biased, biased us in studying mainly regions around Europe or Europe itself. But there's much more evidence that is now and, and research that is currently underway that suggests that there was a much, uh, the pandemic had a much wider impact. So as I was reading the article, it mentions that there is an ancient genome. So I, I was just curious, so where was this uh, data obtained from? So I, well, in 2017, I came across a really interesting publication. Uh, it was a publication by a late 19th century Russian, um, Russian linguist or philologist, to be more precise, and he published an entire corpus, an entire data set of recently excavated tombstones from one Christian cemetery in northern Kyrgyzstan in a place called Karajigaj. And uh, I was, right away, I was really, really impressed by this uh, very rich corpus. But one thing that impressed me the most was the fact that every single stone had been, almost every single stone had been dated. So we know that uh, there is a corpus of uh, over 400 tombstones and uh, they're all dated to the period between 1248 and 1345. And I could tell right away that there was one single year where we have a remarkable spike and we have an uh, annual number of burials. That was the year of 1338, namely uh, eight years before the arrival of plague into Crimea, the same episode that I was just discussing. And I told myself, wait a second, can cannot be possibly just some sort of uh, coincidence, must be some sort of connection there. So I started delving more and more into this uh, corpus, and uh, I later on I published a paper, but I, there was no way for me to actually prove this connection between the, uh, the spike in that you know, one single year, 1338 and 1346, and uh, the beginning of the, uh, the Black Death in Europe in 1347, that's nine years later. So I kind of convinced myself right away that without ADNA, there's absolutely no way they can prove it. So I started hunting for the actual a for, for the actual uh, specimens of those people, and after much uh, search and hunt and research and uh, uh, getting connected to new people that never I knew before, I finally um, managed to pinpoint the uh, exact location of this collection. Uh, the, the samples had been picked up in early two thousand eighteen. And uh, Maria will be in much better position to actually tell you all the exciting developments that uh, happened after that. Yeah, so we we were able to obtain uh, specimens from seven individuals that were found in those cemeteries in northern Kyrgyzstan. Um, and we were quite happy uh, by the fact that we were actually, for most of those individuals, we were actually able to associate the skeletons this, from where the specimens came from with the individual's burial and of course also the tombstones that were uh, oftentimes or most of the times describing the year in which those individuals died. So we had actually now the opportunity to really test whether this 1338 event was really an epidemic of plague or it was some other pathogen. And that's actually what we, what we did. We extracted the ancient DNA or we extracted DNA from teeth of seven of those individuals. And we're there, then we sequenced this DNA and then we were able to, using computational tools to actually try and identify what uh, microorganisms we might be able to find in those sequenced reads. 
Okay, so yes, well, that's very uh, fascinating information. So with this, so this is actually, this was the information that the study is about, right? Yes, exactly. So we were able to study seven individuals from the Karajigach archaeological site. This is a site that was excavated in the 19th century, as Phil described, but it uh, was mainly, it was excavated in the 19th century, but the individuals buried at the site were dated to the, mainly to the 14th century, with a large spike of individuals that died in the year 1338. So when we analyzed seven individuals from that site, we actually had the opportunity to directly test the hypothesis of whether the individuals that died during this 1338 epidemic were really victims of a plague epidemic. And that's actually what we did. So we extracted a DNA from seven teeth obtained from those individuals uh, we, we sequenced this DNA using next generation sequencing technologies. And then we were able to mine this DNA fragments that were sequenced for looking at what kind of pathogens we might be able to identify in our data sets. And one of, those, one of the pathogens that came up when we were doing this type of analysis was the Yersinia pestis pathogen, which is the causative agent of plague. Okay, thank you for that. So um, as also with, you know, with the article I was reading about, there are four major lineages of Yersinia pestis. Can you talk more about that? Yes. So, of course, this was not the first work that was ever dealing with ancient DNA from the second plague pandemic. There had been a number of papers prior to our study that had sequenced genomes from the second plague pandemic, including genomes associated with the Black Death. The issue was that all of those previously published genomes were from Europe, so they were uh, not so suitable for telling us much about the source of this pandemic. Now, what we learned though from the generation of this data in previous studies was that the Black Death was associated with the birth of four major lineages in the history of Yersinia pestis. The genomes that had been previously published from the second plague pandemic period were associated with what we call branch one. So branch one is associated with a second plague pandemic, but it's also associated with a third plague pandemic that began in the 19th century and spread plague across the world. And it's, for example, one of the reasons why plague is present in the United States today. Now, we also have three additional lineages that were born as a result of this uh, likely of, of, of the Black Death event, which is lineage branches two, three, and four. And those are lineages that are mainly identified today in wild rodent populations that are also the main hosts of Yersinia pestis uh, in Central and Eastern Asia. And if I could also add to that, uh, one big difference between the uh, branch one and the lineages two, three, and four is that uh, the branch one had much faster and also much more diversified evolution after the Black Death. If you look on the uh, history of lineage three and four, those are, you know, the, the, they were developing quite slowly. There are about, what, 15 to 18 snippets between the, uh, the Big Bang event and uh, what we have today. 
by contrast, if we look on the evolutionary history of uh, uh, branch one, where between the 13th century and the early, uh, sorry, between the 14th century and the early 18th century, you have 90, no less than 90 snippets separating from the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, this great polytomy or the Big Bang event and the, uh, the outbreak in Marcel in the, the early 18th century. That's another thing that we have to account for. And also geographically speaking, as Maria already alluded uh, quite rightfully, uh, branch one has much more diversified, much more global uh, circulation, whereas uh, um, other lineages are confined primarily to Central and uh, Eastern Asia. So that's another thing that we have to keep in mind. Okay, so as far as you know, just for for the audience, so you know, we went through all the information, what you gather, what you found. So just to explain, like summarize everything. So how do these findings relate to the source of the second plague pandemic? Yeah. So as uh, as we already discussed before, we were able already prior to the study to associate the Black Death with the birth or the diversification of four major lineages in the history of Yersinia pestis. We know that the Black Death event was falling, was associated with this birth, but it was not falling exactly on the node of this diversification. It was falling in association with branch one, and it was specifically only two mutations away from the node that gave birth to those four lineages. So what we were able to find when we analyzed this new data set now from Central Asia was that the genomes that we could isolate from those individuals, the Yersinia pestis genomes that we could isolate from these individuals were falling exactly on the node. So on the birth point of this major diversification. So genetically, we were able to find the source strain, if you like, for this major diversification event. Of course, geographically, that wasn't telling us necessarily where the pandemic began. And that's where our knowledge of the modern distribution of the pathogen came in. So what we wanted to do as a second uh, step is to look at uh, the possible areas in which this strain may have been born. In order to do that, we actually looked at all ancestral branching lineages in association to this strain. So where are all the ancestral, the most closely related lineages in association with this strain found today in the world? And when we did this analysis, we were able to see that the, the lineages that are branching immediately ancestral to this strain is, are found in, are quite geographically confined and are found today in the region that spans the Tian Shan mountains. So not very far from where we identified also the ancient strain. And that's what actually led us to propose that most likely the strain evolved locally rather than it having been introduced from a faraway place. Okay. Um, is there anything else that you want to add? Uh, thank you. This has been definitely, you know, very educational, you know, from fascinating information. So I want to thank both of you for taking the time to coming over to Let's Talk Micro. Thank you very much for having us, Luis. Thank you so much. All right. My pleasure. 
And that, my dear audience, it's the end of this episode. I hope you enjoyed listening to this interview about Yersinia pestis and the plague. Some great information. As always, I enjoy sharing this with you. Continue bringing that passion to what you do. It's so important. I can't say enough. It just it makes you better at your job. Such great work that we do. So, as always, stay motivated, stay safe, and of course, continue talking micro. Until the next time, bye.